The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Owner Brian Shinfade's housing spokesperson uh, is with me in studio. Oh, before we talk about your own bailiwick, your broad reaction to today's package, I mean, whether you agree or disagree, 11 billion euro, I mean, it's an eye-watering amount. It's a lot of money, um, but actually when you look at how it's being spent and whether or not it'll provide people both with the certainty uh, uh, and also with the kind of the fairness that's required, I think it's deeply disappointing. I mean, simple things. If you take the tax package, for example, somebody on €140,000 will get tax back of about €800, where somebody who's working equally as hard, whether it's a nurse or, or care assistant or a factory worker on thirty-five grand, they will get €100 back. Likewise, for example, if you look at the, the renter's credit, something we've been calling for for a long time, not only will it not cover last year's rent increase or this year's rent increase, but because there's no ban uh, on rent increases, it will be swallowed up by those future rent increases. And there's a whole range of other areas. If you look at, for example, increases in funding for services for disabilities, for mental health, even if you look at uh, health, there either isn't the fairness in what's been allocated. So, yes, it's a lot of money, but a lot of it is going uh, in a less targeted way. But also if you take energy, for example... Obviously, people are going to welcome whether it's 200, 400, 600 euros, 500 euros for cares, for example. But government has done nothing to actually stop the rise of energy prices. So very, very quickly, we could be in a situation in October, November, December, mm. where despite the significant sums of money the government is allocating, uh, that is swallowed up by, you know, relentlessly rising prices. Didn't do anything for home heating oil, did very, very little on on uh, 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 other areas of energy cost and electricity. They could have done what many other European countries are currently doing and what the European Commission has said is one of the options for member states, which is cap prices at an earlier level, uh, at least for the winter. So people will know not only would they get a reduction in the cost, but there would be no increases. But in, in, in that scenario, if they were to put a, a cap on energy prices and those energy costs, those wholesale costs kept going up through the roof. I mean, through your plan, the Sinn Féin plan, the government, the state, the exchequer, the taxpayer would be in hock to those energy companies. We would be subsidising them for that price differential. No, because what's really important about our proposal is twofold. First of all, it includes an excessive profit tax because it's not just wholesale markets going up. It's also as as one of your Vox Pop uh, interviewees mentioned, energy prices reaping huge profits or energy companies reaching huge profits. So if they did try to take advantage of the scheme, we take that back from them. But also we need to reform the energy market and we've made this very, very clear. So, for example, uh, non-gas electricity generators, whether it's wind or solar or others, shouldn't be pecked to gas. They're actually now making extraordinary profits and not paying mm. anything extra in the wholesale. So it's about capping the prices and reducing them. It's about ensuring companies don't now, take advantage of the government's hands are tied a little bit on that pegging of pricing. That's a European there, thing. No, no. So it's it's very, very clear and a number of European countries have already started to do it. Sure, if the European Union then comes in with a subsequent proposal, you can assess that then. But you also need to make sure that, for example, for people who are getting a significant portion of their electricity from renewables, they're not paying gas prices for those. And I think if we did that, not only would we give uh, struggling, struggling homeowners certainty over the winter, we'd also reform the energy market so we come out the other side in a much better place. Um, then in terms of your own bailiwick, I mean, housing for all kind of exists parallel to the budget. So that is still the housing plan. But there were still measures related to housing today. What are your, what's your assessment of them? Well, actually, virtually nothing. Uh, uh, the total extra capital spending in the housing portfolio is 37 million. That's an embarrassment. 
house prices are rising, rents are rising, homelessness is rising, uh, and the private sector simply isn't able to deliver the volume of genuinely affordable homes that's required. What we should have seen is a dramatic increase in direct capital investment for local authorities and approved housing bodies, not just for social homes, but also cost rental uh, and affordable purchase. We're actually seeing a reduction in the targets for cost rental for approved housing bodies. The most modest increase, embarrassingly small, for local authorities for affordable purchase housing. But three times more money for developer-led subsidies like Help to Buy, uh, Shared Equity Loan and Long-Term Leasing than we're giving to those people who can actually provide genuinely affordable homes. And on defects, you'll know that there was a huge issue both in terms of defective lock for folks in the Western mm. Seaboard and the 100,000 or so apartment hold, uh, owners with Celtic Tiger era uh, uh, defects. Only five million extra in government funding. Yes, Pascal has been true to his word uh, and he's ad- adopted a long-standing Sinn Féin proposal for a levy on industry. He hopes that will raise 80 million. But government is only increasing its contribution by five million at a time we're going to have much greater demand. And then renters, right? Like renters have had a decade <coughs> of unrelenting uh, price increases. Uh, in fact, if you look at average rents for, for new rents in the last year, they've gone up you know, between 1,500 and 2,000 euros. A measly €500 euro credit with no ban on rent increases will be absorbed by those uh, uh, tenancies where landlords increase their prices. It's nowhere close to enough. So, is a lot of money being spent? Mm. Of course it is, right? And are there some measures, for example, like the vacant property tax, the zone value tax uh, and the levy for defects that are proposals we've made for a long time that the government is finally moving on, albeit in a very slow way? Yes, we welcome them. But on the whole... The way in which the money is spent is not ambitious enough, it's not fair and it's not going to give people certainty. And I think when people get through the few days of announcements and start to see how this pans out, people will be going, they spent all of that money and for what? Healthcare is still in crisis, childcare is still in crisis, housing and homelessness is still in crisis, homes with uh, uh, defects are still not getting redress and energy prices are still rising. Um, I I want to talk an awful lot in that, right? So let's uh, talk about it bit by bit. Uh, The levy on blocks to fund the micro-redress scheme in particular. I'm going to get the view of the Construction Industry Federation in in a few minutes on this but that is essentially people who want to go and build a house or buy a house next year paying for the sins of developers in the past. I mean it will strike some as incredibly unfair. So first of all not all of the developers are in the past some of those companies are still trading uh, or some of those developers folded the companies responsible for defects uh, and created new companies some of them are the most profitable uh, uh, building contractors and developers in the state getting very very significant grants from Mm. them and from the state etc. Look there's no easy way to fund this, right? Uh, and given the fact that both industry, and it's not just the construction sector, it's also uh, uh, the non-life insurance sector and the banking sector, given that they played a huge role, but also so did the state through light touch regulation. Unfortunately, the only way to remediate these properties, other than saying the family should pay for defects they didn't create, is very, very significant year-on-year uh, 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 exchequer funding and industry funding. We proposed, government spent, well, they didn't spend, they allocated 60 million for defects last year, most of it unspent. We argued they should add another 140 million on top of that to create a 200 million war mm. chest every year. And we accepted Pascal's proposal of 80 million. That would have meant there would have been a war chest next year of 280 million if government had accepted our proposals. Instead, all we're getting is an extra 5 million and whatever industry contributes. It's not fair on anybody. But let's be very clear the hardworking people who have paid mortgages for houses, flats and duplexes, who have defects, should not have to pay for for the problems they didn't create. And unfortunately, 
industry has to come to the table, hasn't uh, contributed so far, as does the taxpayer. The taxpayer's been funding pirate remediation since 2014. Industry has to pay its fair share. Tom Parlin is the Director General of the Construction Industry Federation and he is on the line. Tom, you're very welcome to the show. What do you make of this levy on a block? Well, I look at it, I find it absolutely contradictory in terms of what the whole budget was about. It was about uh, reducing uh, the effect of inflation. And uh, my calculations and talking to my members who build houses, it's going to add about €2,000 uh, to the cost of a three-bed house. Um, and in the current climate where uh, we have extraordinary inflation right across the construction and on construction materials, this doesn't make sense. It is going to add. And I suppose the other issue is that um, certainly, Micah, it's a, it's a very significant problem, but it's a localised problem. And we're expecting industry that are fully compliant now in a totally different uh, regulatory environment today that exists uh, uh, heretofore, mm. um, that we're going to expect uh, totally compliant innocent members and users, whether they be first-time buyers or, like, if you take wind farms uh, and so on, uh, the foundations for those turbines use a massive lot of pourable concrete, like uh, hundreds and hundreds of cubes. So it's going to add inflation to all that area. And uh, I think it's extraordinary in the context of the budget well, wait, that was very, very careful or appeared to be very careful yeah. about uh, dealing with the impact of inflation. What, what, what would be your preference then for how a redress scheme is funded? Just out of general taxation well, at, and everybody pays? Look, at where there was non-compliance clearly in this issue. And where there is non-compliance, it should be taken up directly with the builder or the contractor on a case-by-case basis. Uh, my understanding is that what if this that builder is no longer around? The company has been folded. Maybe the builder has passed well, I mean, away. That, and that would appear to be the case. Uh, but the non-compliance that applied at the time, uh, whoever was responsible for the compliance and for the regulations, which clearly weren't in place at the time, you know, that's a deficit of the state. So. Um, like, I know that the redress scheme, it is extremely expensive and uh, there's been a lot of uh, lobbying on behalf of the individuals who rightly have been uh, uh, declaring their mm. uh, innocence and the difficulties. But to, pu- to impose a levy now on compliant okay. members so, years on, uh, it, you know, it, doesn't make any sense so to it, me. It's and just, yeah, I just want to get extra- this straight. It's, it's just your contention, Tom. Apologies, but it's, just, it's your contention that if, it's the st- if it is the state who were responsible... Uh, for for the regulations that existed that that allowed this to happen, then the state are the ones who should be paying it if the builder can't or the builder doesn't exist yeah, well, anymore. And that's that's the case. So, and so general the, the taxation. Thing, but can I just say the CIF on behalf of the industry have been lobbying uh, for uh, building uh, controls. We have BCAR in place. We fully. Uh, complied with that, and then we lobbied to have the Construction Industry Register of Ireland, which means that anybody involved in construction would have to be registered and compliant okay. and meet a number of criteria. Uh, this has been going on since Phil Hogan was Minister for the Environment, and it's only recently been passed in legislation, and we're looking forward to implementing that. So there is a very, very good building control management okay. system in place, let, let me, uh, and so on. Let, let me just go back to Owen O'Brien on that. Oh, oh, I mean, there is a logic to what... Uh, Tom argues in the sense that I've just finished building a house so I don't have to subsidise uh, the poor people in the west of Ireland whose blocks were built with mica but the person who's beginning to build a house tomorrow will. 
So first of all, there are a defective block in 13 counties across the state and there are defective apartments, houses and duplexes with fire safety and other structural defects in every county. So mm. this is something affecting everywhere. And the problem is, it, it's simply... But, not, I, but I've escaped paying for it. It, it is, but, but we're going to end up paying for this anyway, both through general taxation and through an industry levy. The crucial point, however, is if you take, for example, Belmain, one of the largest developments where the defects, fire safety, uh, water ingress and balcony defects still haven't been uh, addressed... So uh, the company Stanley Holdings, who was partly responsible along with LNM Building Systems, they're now defunct. But the people who are directors of Stanley Holdings are today directors of the single largest home builder in the state, making enormous profits, but also getting grants from the state through the local infrastructure fund, the NAM, etc. So is this a perfect situation? No. Is there a clean and cost-free way of fixing the problem? No. But if you accept that the people who in good faith bought those homes uh, uh, and subsequently found they have defects, I was in with families in Park West recently, 60 to 70,000 euros of defects from a developer who is still trading and they cannot legally pursue, mm. then Tom and his members have to accept they have to be part of the solution. And here's the thing. The Construction Industry Federation in the 70s, when government was talking about putting basic insulation in homes, said we can't do that, it'll cost thousands of euros per home, it'll bankrupt the country and and homeowners will end up paying higher bills. Well, the idea that today you would allow a home to be built without insulation is laughable. Tom is right. This is going to have an impact. I don't accept €2,000. But ultimately, this is going to cost billions of euros. Industry was responsible. uh, uh, Bad government legislation was responsible. Mm. uh, And we have to make sure everybody contributes. It's the only way to do it. Uh, uh, Tom, I don't want to put words in Owen's mouth, but I think he's (laughs) suggesting that you're not the ones we should be listening to necessarily in terms of what government policy should be here. Well, Owen has a great memory. I don't. Uh, I wasn't involved in the construction in the industry in the seventies. So, whatever whatever stance was taken about uh, about insulation, I don't know. I mean, that's a bit ridiculous to be bringing up at this stage. But the fact but the, is, but the point Tom, is, industry always resists paying its fair share, and in this instance, industry has to come to the table along with government and contribute to fixing people's homes who are no, literally Owen, crumbling Owen, I, around I them or have fire industry, safety defects. Industry is quite the construction industry is quite prepared to pay its fair share. We're quite prepared to comply with the with BCAR, which we absolutely uh, uh, cooperated entirely with its implementation, and in terms of the construction industry register, we. Pre- proposed that we've had it as a voluntary register all along and now it's eventually gone to registration so we want high standards we this, this but construction let's fix the problems of the past while we're at it tom no hold on no just one second now the construction industry federation represents the compliant uh, builders that that know how to do their business and are responsible and just you raised one particular instance there if there is responsibility by directors there they should be pursued by the state absolutely they should be pursued we're not standing over we're not protecting anybody in that situation Tom Parlin, a Director General of the Construction Industry Federation. Tom, thanks a million for joining us. Neil McDonald's in studio, the CEO of ISME, the Irish Small and Medium Enterprise Association. Neil, your reaction to this budget and the measures therein that were targeted at your members? There were actually very few, although there's a, a, a billion euro package in reality that's targeted uh, purely at the, uh, at the at the energy uh, uh, price crisis. Um, having said that, of course, we're not denying this is a monster budget. I mean, this is one of the biggest budgets ever at 11 billion euro of, of, of 7 billion ongoing and 4 billion one-off expenditure. So it is a very, very significant budget. Um, but the, the uh, T-BES or whatever they're calling it now, 
the energy um, uh, rebate scheme. Yeah. Um, at, at 40% of the, the marginal cost for business, uh, we see businesses falling broadly into three buckets uh, okay. as they handle this. The, the first uh, uh, and minority will be those uh, who can absorb it. They're typically going to be small energy users. Uh, the second, we're not sure how, quite how big they are. They'll be able to pass it on uh, to consumers, but that's going to be inflationary. Uh, and the third uh, group will be able to do neither, and they're the ones that will be uh, in trouble potentially as a result of this. And how many would you put into bucket number three? Uh, the the people who are likely to be in there are those who, for example, we'd have small retailers, uh, people in the leisure and grooming business, it, where where there is a lot of competition nearby uh, and the option of passing those cost increases through to customers just isn't going to be viable uh, for the for for example those small retailers that have a little or aldi nearby they're dealing with big beasts of discounters that they're not going to be able to pass through any sort of significant price increase so they're potentially in trouble um I, the, the the we had pat mcdonough on the show yesterday and i mean there was a various issues he would have liked to see in address he did acknowledge that and you've talked about it there that energy was the big one and certainty of cause he did raise the spectre though of this being much more than a medium term problem and that you know we might be back here again next year and a degree of prudence was possibly needed Oh, no question. Um, and <clears throat> we also want to see, uh, we know uh, that Ireland has an energy problem perversely. I, and I think we, we've said this be- before in here, Karen. you know, Ireland analysed this problem back in 2014 mm-hmm. after uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, um, invaded Crimea. Uh, and we, we said energy security of energy supply was going to be an issue and unfortunately we've done nothing about it in eight years and the, whatever pain we're going through in the winter of 2022 we do need to see measures that ensure we're not going to go through that pain again in winter 23. All right, listen, uh, before I let either of you go, Owen, Peter and Cork, I, I, I wonder what your response might be. What a disgraceful opposition Sinn Féin are. Can't give any credit where it is due. The alternative budget they propose looks great on paper, but because it throws huge tax measures at multinationals, it would be a short-lived utopia as all capital investment would run from the country, bankrupting us. Pie in the sky as usual. So says Peter, we wouldn't even need all capital investment to flee the country. 20% of our entire tax revenue comes from 10 companies. If one of them left... We'd be goosed. Yeah, and I, I would strongly recommend your, your text actually reads the budget because we're not talking about uh, dramatic increases uh, on taxation, for example, on corporations. We do want to see some modest increases at the very top end. But, for example, uh, I talk to a lot of, and I represent a lot of small and medium-sized businesses, and what they're saying to me is two things. First of all, before this cost-of-living crisis reached its most difficult phase, their biggest pressure at the time was wage claims by workers who are facing rising costs of childcare, healthcare and housing. And unless we tackle those structural problems alongside tackling the energy crisis, uh, the NISMI's members are going to be in a difficult position come next year. The only way to do that is direct capital investment. Likewise, uh, and and the point is absolutely well made, we've known about the looming energy crisis for a long time. We've known about the need to decouple, for example, non-gas related energy uh, uh, generation costs from gas related. And build an LNG storage facility. But the crazy thing about LNG is it'll take you so long to do. There are much better ways, including offshore wind and, and solar, that if government were to fix the problems in the planning system, we could get that but here's that the argument thing. made in 2014 
would mean we'd have an LNG facility now. But an argument, a better argument would have been if we'd done what we should have done in 2014 and put in place an offshore planning system for offshore wind and, and invest an LNG storage facility. Wind, I have to say, LNG gives you no security because what happens, the people who sell uh, LNG sell it in big boats and if they get a bigger price somewhere, they turn the boat around and they go away. The best way to, for us to guarantee energy security is serious investment in wind and solar, which we've outlined, but also with respect to jobs because not only are small and medium-sized businesses, particularly those with high energy uh, needs under pressure, if we don't resolve that, that will result in job losses, that will result in people losing their jobs and therefore not only do we need an adequate package of supports for those uh, businesses, we also need to make sure it's targeted those businesses who need it the most and it is linked to job retention and other countries like Luxembourg have done some really interesting thing in recent budgets, much greater levels of support for business and greater cooperation between business and unions to ensure businesses get the support, workers are kept in jobs. We've provided half a billion euros in, in our alternative budget for that. I think there's merit in those proposals. Neil? Uh, there's merit in loads of proposals. I think what you saw in, in this budget, uh, particularly in, in refusing to, to cap energy costs, was a, a reaction to what happened in the UK, what, ha- what has happened to sterling, what has happened in, in uh, confidence in the government. So I think the government was reluctant to intervene uh, substantially here. Unfortunately for a lot of small businesses, they're going to see that as the only thing that has been tackled this time is is mitigating energy costs a little. All right. Well, we are 40 eight minutes or so into the show we haven't mentioned the climate crisis we're going to talk about whether this is a green budget after a very quick break The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.